Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern. And I'm also your host, Emily Carnamus. So this week we have on my very dear friend. I paused because I wasn't sure what word to use. Uh, Nemesis would be a good one as well, I think. <laughs> uh, Jesse Bowser to talk about Kingdom Hearts. I don't know where to go with that. Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> I think, is infamous at this point. Yes? Yeah, I, I think it's a fair bet that anyone listening to this show knows what Kingdom Hearts is, or at least has a, a vague idea, which I think is probably about the most you can expect from anyone. I also think that a lot of people have something in their lives that they have a relationship to that is very much like, I think, a lot of people's relationship to Kingdom Hearts, which is sort of this weird acceptance and like weird fondness for its absurdity, uh, but also a weird aggravation with it mm-hmm. uh, that you you just keep subjecting yourself to uh, at least that's jesse's experience with it but I, I i find some i find something really endearing about that it's like an old friend where it's like you get on each other's nerves all the time you know exactly like what pisses them off but also it's like you're ride or die you know yeah love is often uh, vaguely antagonistic but not yes. Not necessarily in a destructive way, in a, in a positive way. <laughs> yes, yes. Not in like an alpha couple, like uh, mountain goats way, but in a fond, friendly ribbing kind of way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the things, the things that you're most passionate about and the people you're most passionate about know the exact point at which to destroy you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We don't get to it till like way at the end of the episode, but like we both have some history with Kingdom hearts but not Mm -hmm. like extensive i played like a a spin-off game out of order basically is my and i've watched a lot of videos about kingdom hearts yeah and i i did purchase and play the first game mostly i did not beat it as i recall uh and that was largely on the basis of having seen ads and thinking it was a joke uh and then when it turned out to not be a joke i was like well i've got to check this out now apparently not completely sure what my rationale was there like this looks so bad it has to be good uh but (laughs) yeah i don't know how it like completely it didn't completely miss me i had a lot of friends who were really into it and i sort of tangentially got into it because of that uh and i got really into like the weird organization 13 stuff because i started with chain of memories but like i am a disney nerd and i love final fantasy and i don't know how i just completely sidestepped this one like i dodged this cannonball like (laughs) no one's business it is so wild uh yeah because i never had a ps2 but i think i think there was definitely a an initial height of fame that got real real intense for a while and then mm-hmm. burned out i think equally as quickly as as these things often do there's sort of the level of passion you can't necessarily maintain for as long as you might want but then the flip side of that is that when it's been long enough that you can be nostalgic about that experience then it comes back with a vengeance you're right <laughs> I don't know how to segue that. Well, speaking of coming back with a vengeance, here comes our guest. Even though it's his first time, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jesse, uh, thank you so much for, like an angel from heaven, (laughs) swooping down at the last minute to uh, save us from certain demise for coming on the podcast tonight. Well, you know, you've come to me a few times, and it's always been the same issue of, um, you know, I never knew what to talk about, and the ideas I always had were always a little too kind of vague or too broad of a concept. So I'm glad spur of the moment choice here. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess the, the, the immediacy of it required you to, to pick a topic like now. <laughs> so what we're going to have you do, if you can just introduce yourself, you could talk a little bit about what, what you do and introduce the topic that you brought to talk about today. All right. I think I can manage that. Uh, I'm Jesse Bowser. 
and I uh, like to throw myself into basically anything. Uh, I stream periodically on Twitch. I just play random games. I chat with friends, build computers. Uh, as far as my day-to-day life goes, I actually work for a bank, and I fix ATMs and try to break their software, and they pay me for it. It's pretty fun. But as far as my topic goes, it, you know, it I'm just going to be talking about probably one of my most and least loved series of all times, which is Kingdom Hearts. Now, Jesse, I have yeah. to say that this topic choice of yours is pretty simple and clean. <laughs> you know, I was waiting for that shoe to drop basically all day since it was discussed while I'll be talking about that. And now I can leave? Uh, yeah, you <laughs> can go ahead and just leave you're now. You're fired now. I'm sorry, Emily. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm fired? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. <laughs> Only temporarily. Okay. I was going to say, someone has to edit this show. That's true. Yeah, that was that was the length of time that I thought about whether or not I wanted to learn editing. <laughs> Jesse, for those uninitiated, please explain what Kingdom Hearts is. So Kingdom Hearts is like an action-adventure role-playing game made by Square Enix, uh, Final Fantasy fame. So the whole concept behind it, the, the story is kind of funny. Because basically one of the producers from Final Fantasy was just like, you know what, I want, I really want to make a game with characters that are just as popular as Disney characters. And the follow-up thought was, well, why not just make a game with Disney characters? So we got this strange amalgam of Final Fantasy and Disney. So a lot of belts, a lot of zippers in their aesthetic, and a lot of the same carryover <laughs> carry like role-playing and uh, kind of like spell use and nomenclature that you get from the Final Fantasy games. And I, I guess the uh, producer actually ran into an executive from Disney in an elevator and gave an actual elevator pitch of the concept of the game. Like, basically, I want to make a Final Fantasy game with Disney characters. Are you guys down? And eventually that led into this gloriously, terribly written fan fiction of a game. I don't know how to feel about this actually being an elevator pitch. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like a little <laughs> mad about that, honestly. I feel like we need to ride in more elevators. I guess. I want to know where the like Square Enix producer was that mm. he was in an elevator with a Disney executive to begin with. I'm, I'm also wondering what the game would have been like now if it had not been a Disney executive. If it had been like Looney Tunes or something. If there had been another property. The Simpsons, maybe. Uh, <laughs> or if they'd gotten to know what they would have done. But we know they got a yes. So the the terrifying thing, though, is that with Disney now owning Simpsons, that could possibly happen. <laughs> That's very that true. Is true. <laughs> oh, dear. We're, we're on the verge of, in a future Kingdom Hearts game, you being in, like, a Spider-Man world and fighting with, like, Homer on your team. And then, like, <laughs> Ellen Ripley shows up and you have to fight a xenomorph. This is something that could actually happen now. So I have to ask, Jesse, how were you first introduced to Kingdom Hearts? So Kingdom Hearts came out in, I think it was 2002. So I was in, like, fifth grade. And I remember seeing the commercial for this game on TV. And I'm watching this commercial and I'm just thinking, like, this looks really stupid. Which is a really strange thing because I was very openly into Disney. I jammed out to Radio Disney constantly. Shout out to AM1260 out there. (laughs) (laughs) So it was so strange. I'm just like, yeah, this will be dumb. Disney? (laughs) But my mom ran across a copy of the game at a used game store. And she was just like, well, I saw Goofy and Donald on the cover. Here, play it. And I started it up. And as soon as Simple and uh, Clean started playing, I was hooked. And it was really just kind of downhill from there, like... The soundtrack for Kingdom Hearts was the first CD that I ever illegally downloaded on Napster. <laughs> <laughs> what a 
beautiful thing. This is a very specific landmark for everyone. <laughs> oh, of course. Which, of course, I have fully legally purchased since then. <laughs> exactly, yes. It's been a, a, a literal battle since then with this series. And I feel like anyone who has been a fan of this series since the beginning can almost kind of relate with it if you've stuck around it with it so long it's just been a very uphill battle from game to game for it to finally get to its very recent closure of like its most recent arc with you know kingdom hearts 3 the i believe seventh game in the series (laughs) (laughs) the age-old question that the video game industry struggles with how do you count to three Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that for those of us who are not quite as familiar with the game series or just, well, I mean, I'm familiar with it. I could not be bothered to be as familiar as maybe I should be because there are so many in-between games that that I've never really completely understood why they exist or in what order they exist. Can you talk about that? Like, are you are you a completionist? Have you played every bit of content or have you kind of just done main series and a little bit of other things or what's your experience with it? Oh, uh, so, well, I'm trash, so I played every <laughs> single game as soon as they released. So, however, for someone who hasn't gotten into the game before, now actually isn't a terrible time to jump in if you have kind of like a modern console. They've re-released the game since the very beginning also. They've remade some of the games and made them a little bit more playable. Like the first sequel to the, the original game was uh, Chain of Memories on the Game Boy Advance. Which, kind of a side note here, a lot of people hated that game because of like the weird card system they had in it. I loved that game because of the card system. Because every game, basically since then, and up until that point, all one game before it, is basically tap X to win. And the card system actually forced you to kind of strategize a little bit more. Uh, I guess a lot of people just want to mindlessly tap X to win. Which, not that there's anything particularly wrong with that, but sometimes I want a bit more of a challenge. So yeah, I've played every single game that's come out, and every single remake. Uh, they The first one being like the remake, they made a Chain of Memories on the PS2. Rebought that, replayed it, beat it, loved it. They recently, on the PS S3 did a re-release of like the first three games and the last three games titled you know Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 and then 2.5 and then even more recently they re-released the re-releases on PS4. (laughs) If you have a PS4 you can go out pick up those games for dirt cheap and pick up the third game and play through them if you so please. Or, if you don't feel like sinking a lot of time into playing these old games, which honestly, I would not blame anybody. As much of a huge fan of this series I am, it is a struggle. You could buy the third game, and in the very main menu, you can actually watch, they have a bunch of, like, basically cutscenes and retellings, and like a little kind of like cute, like, storybook-esque retelling of, like, basically all the stories up until the third game that kind of summarize everything for you. And they did a very good job of it. I feel like I want every video game to have that. I'm like a little, I'm mad. I'm mad about this. I'm mad about a lot of things tonight, but I'm mad because I want every single video game to do that because I don't remember anything ever. <laughs> Tell me what happened last time. <laughs> Gotta have a previously on. Yes. <laughs> it, d- it does help too, because uh, there was a lot of details in there that like, it, it wasn't even so much stuff that like, I didn't remember. It was, they actually like explained stuff that like, hey, we were a little vague about certain things in some of these other games. So we're just going to basically spell it out for you so you understand what <laughs> going on see the problem with kingdom hearts is that like i don't know what to ask about because there's so much like the story is a big thing the games themselves are a big thing so like for you when you approach kingdom hearts like you're talking about the different styles of gameplay that were in like chain of memories and then in the other games what is the main draw of these games to you is it the story is it the actual game i feel at this point (laughs) 
So going into like the third game, the main draw of continuing to play these games, you know, from the very beginning, from the first game, it was basically like, oh, well, this is a strange amalgam of a game and here, let's play it. The second game was, oh, well, this is actually kind of an interesting story. Let's see where it goes from. Fast forward to the most recent game and it's really just, they have thrown so much convoluted crap at us throughout this entire series <laughs> how could they possibly wrap everything up and they somehow managed it question mark it was still a fun game it was it was, it was really cool just seeing how these games have evolved from the very beginning including like even like the overall like story arches uh, of these characters it's been a very interesting evolution of it so i guess that's kind of the main draw for me playing from the beginning like what kind of kept me coming back it was the absurdity of the story and just an actual love for these characters that i, I guess it can't, can't be said for anything else like you get hooked on like a series of movies or a series of t- tv shows you just kind of get hooked into it and even like hokey like dramas it's just like this this is see how much more absurd this could get it's a little bit like the the shoot what's it called sunk cost fallacy that's not right but like basically like when you've invested so much time into something and you're like well i might as i've already i'm here for so long already i might as well see how this finishes out (laughs) like you've committed so much that like even in the sort of ironic way you're really attached to it like this doesn't make any sense but God damn it, I have to see how it ends. <laughs> I like to think of it as like Stockholm Syndrome. Because it basically <laughs> held me hostage for my entire life and I just fell in love with it because of it. <laughs> it's almost like the games are so complicated and weird that you assume that there has to be a deeper meaning. Like there there has to be a reason for it to be that complicated, that it must actually be deeper than that. Although I think I also, I know a lot of people who have cried because of these games, which seems like a wild thing to pitch when you're like, um, so there's this little boy with like weird pants and also Goofy is there and then some bad things happen to Goofy and you feel really bad about it. Um... <laughs> You know, it's it's a wild it's a wild thing to pitch to people. Like, have have you are you like uh, an island of Kingdom Hearts fandom? Do you have a lot of friends who who are as into it as as you are? Or any friends who are as into it as you are? I have a small handful of friends that I could probably just go off and chat about these games just forever. So we have kind of an ongoing like Discord group with me and a couple of my friends. And when the third game came out, we actually made like a separate channel completely just for that for some people who didn't want to be spoiled about the game when it first came out, obviously, but also just so we can like rant about it. When the the third game dropped i actually took that week off of work so i could stay home and play the game which was wild and i basically streamed every second of it because i'm just like well if i'm playing the game let's throw it up online and maybe someone will stumble across it and maybe they'll get a laugh out of me struggling to play this game <laughs> it, it was fun kind of having these interactions with some of my friends who have kind of been along with the ride also but like you know some of them like for whatever reason like they can't play the third game so they kind of like i was basically just like okay they get to play through me and experience the game through me as i enjoy it also it was kind of fun doing that for them i'm not just playing this game for me i'm playing it for them also (laughs) what a noble cause you've undertaken (laughs) (laughs) so i guess kind of like to uh jump back a little bit and actually kind of talk about just how dedicated i was to playing these games uh and how kind of immediately it hooked me so when the game first came out i was in like fifth grade later on in the year i actually got diagnosed and sent to the hospital with what is known as pot's puffy tumor uh so things are going to get a little deep here but it everything's fine so then the name for pot's puffy tumor is a damn lie because it's not a tumor at all uh it's actually a really bad sinus infection that basically gets stuck in your upper sinus cavities and doesn't properly drain so 
the infection just kind of like festers and gets all gross and builds up and it actually pushes against the frontal lobe of your brain which causes like hallucinations and migraines and whatnot and actually has a small chance of it could rupture uh drain into your eyes you could go blind or it can go back into your brain and kill you so i had to get like holes drilled into my sinuses and they had to drain it manually and at this point you're probably thinking like jesse what the hell does have to do with kingdom hearts <laughs> uh, well right before i went to the hospital i had made it all the way to hollow bastion in the first kingdom hearts game and anyone who has played these games before and is a fan basically knows exactly what this is probably leading up to i got stuck against the fight with maleficent in her dragon form which was a terrible fight stuck in it forever I went to the hospital and couldn't play. Uh, well, while I was in the hospital, they actually had a little rolly cart with a TV and a PS2. My mother, bless her heart, went home, got my copy of Kingdom Hearts and my PlayStation 2 memory card, and brought it up to the hospital so I could continue playing the game. From my hospital bed with a terrible infection, fighting with this game. Which I did end up beating her too while I was still in the hospital. <laughs> Only... To then get stuck against the Dark Riku fight right after. Oh, no. yes. <laughs> Just like everyone else who fought Dark Riku at that moment, I got stressed out, I lost all hope, and I died. I'm a ghost now. <laughs> Jesse, you've been a ghost for so long and I never knew it. <laughs> You never asked. <laughs> so it was the end of the story that you had the surgery and it not only made you medically better, but it also helped you beat this boss fight? Oh yeah, that's basically what it comes down to, is because of my superior antibiotic uh, ridden ass, I was able to beat Dark Riku and then ascend to the highest uh, peak of Kingdom Hearts-ness. <laughs> this is just kind of spiraling down. But <laughs> it was just kind of the drive home. I was so dedicated and just enthralled with this game that even as I lay horribly you know infected in the hospital i still was just like i need to play this damn game you went through the hero's journey you died you became a ghost and then you came back and then you ascended to a higher plane of existence through video <laughs> games everyone knows that story that's a really standard story arc that people go through that's the plot of apocalypse now we all know that <laughs> it was exactly like apocalypse now kind of going off of that even if you've never uh played a kingdom hearts game before i think one of the other things that people recognize it for is it being like that third game got delayed so so long i guess like can you talk a little bit about having a relationship with a series that you really deeply love and like having to wait so long for all of these installments and all of this resolution like what kept you wanting to come back to it after all that time that is a very very good question mostly my absolute fury and rage for this series <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it was, it was very much a Stockholm Syndrome situation. It's just like, every single time that the game got announced that it would be delayed, I would have like a small breakdown of just like, they can't do this to me. How dare they spite me specifically? <laughs> they basically just like kind of like tidy everyone's time by like, hey, here's a, here's a remake and here's another remake. Here's a remake of those remakes. <laughs> and, you know, the, the most absurd names for these remakes. And then, what was it? The final small little nudge of, here, we're going to just throw you guys a bone before the third game comes out, which was like, uh, I think it was Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. That is such a tease of a title. Like <laughs> it, it was terrible. And they, they actually, they also released like a small little like mobile game that you could play, which was called Kingdom Hearts Key, uh, which was really nothing. And then you play the third game and find out like, oh, Oh, this this game actually mattered but i'm not gonna bother to go back and play a mobile game i'm just gonna go to, to the kingdom hearts wiki and just read up what the hell i missed <laughs> so do you have a favorite one of these games like i think especially if maybe you have a favorite that's outside of the 
the I don't know, the big three. I don't know. I don't know what to call uh, the inclusion of, of all of these kind of spinoffs and in-betweens and whatever the heck Dream Drop Distance is, which people keep explaining to me and I still don't understand. You can just call it a damn mess. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't only have like an overall favorite, but I have favorites within them for different reasons. So I like Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories because of the card system. It was a little bit more challenging in that way. It was just a different style of gameplay from the rest of them. I love Birth by Sleep being like the, the prequel to the whole series because I really love the characters within that game. And I love, at the time, it was a very seemingly simple build-up to the rest of the series. Looking back at it now, it just made things worse. <laughs> it was throwing gasoline onto a fire. <laughs> and then I think the best overall game was probably Kingdom Hearts 2. I feel that was probably the best mix of just gameplay and challenge. And it was a simple enough ending that had they just not alluded to basically anything else after Kingdom Hearts 2, they probably could have ended it there and had things be like mostly normal. So Kingdom Hearts 2 is probably the best like, if you're going to, like, sit down and just be like, I don't really care about the story, I really just want to play a game just to play a game and experience some form of Kingdom Hearts, probably just play Kingdom Hearts 2. It was probably the overall best out of, like, all of them. So, yeah, that's probably, like, my favorite, if I had to quantify, kind of, in its entirety, would probably be Kingdom Hearts 2. Especially, kind of going off of the remakes of the remakes of the remakes, there were small remakes of the first and second game, which were called the, uh, the Final Mix versions, before they eventually got remade, remade, remade. And in the Final Mix version of Kingdom Hearts 2, they added in... They're, they're called, like, data battles, where you could go in and fight all of the Organization 13 members in, like, super, like, mega souped up, more difficult versions of them, which were just, like, a little, like, oh, well, if you beat these, you could basically just brag about it. And I remember walking in there, because I had beaten basically every game up until that point, and beaten everybody in, like, in that game up until the point, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna jump in there and do some of these data battles. And I jump into the first one, I chose, like, my favorite member of the organization, which is Larkseen, because she's insane. And the battle starts, and she runs at me, and I immediately die. <laughs> and at that point, I set the control down, and I walked away for a little bit. Because <laughs> I knew I was... <laughs> I was in for some fun, and I wasn't I wasn't quite mentally prepared for it yet. Sure. <laughs> now, I will say, if you have kind of experienced the game from the very beginning, they drop a lot of really just crazy stuff within the third game. I don't want to try... Like, game's been out for a, the third game's been out for a year now, so I probably wouldn't feel too bad if I dropped a bunch of spoilers, but I'm going to try to avoid it at any cost here for the people who actually care to go out and play and haven't played yet. So, just one little small thing that I really like that they dropped into the game, and... Wouldn't make sense to anybody else unless you've kind of experienced Final Fantasy as a whole, not just Kingdom Hearts. Donald Duck is the strongest character in all of Square Enix history. <laughs> and they prove it in Kingdom Hearts 3. Donald so, Duck is God. <laughs> well, here's the thing about that. Oh my God. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was kidding. So within within Final Fantasy, there are different stages of uh, spells. So there's like there's flare, there's mega flare. You know, you'll end up with like stop, stopa, stopra, stopaga, stopza. Different levels within that, and each one's progressively stronger from the last. So within the different Final Fantasy games, you've run into like the spell flare. You get mega flare, and then one of the bosses, Bahamut, one within like one of the more recent Final Fantasy games, he uses Terra Flare which the nomenclature there, Terra Flare at that point had been the strongest level spell that has been casted within any of the Square Enix games at that point. In Kingdom Hearts 3, Donald Duck casts Zeta Flare, <laughs> which is some, you know, like, going by the nomenclature is like billions of times stronger yeah. 
than Terra Flare. Yeah. And it is one of the most <laughs> unreal moments of my entire life. <laughs> Seeing Donald cast this at spell that he apparently must have known all along. Saved for this moment. <laughs> Fucker can't heal me when I need him, but here he goes, casting Zeta Flare like a freaking god. <laughs> this does lead into a question I was going to ask you, which is, granted, a little loaded. Jesse, how do you feel about one Donald Duck? <laughs> I'm increasingly more frustrated with him knowing that he is a god fully capable of decimating things, but can't heal me when he needs to. I now have a lot of questions about whether or not he knows that he's a god. Like, did he know that he could cast this spell the whole time? Was it, like, locked? inside of him or something because there's some weird stuff in the kingdom hearts games uh it's definitely one of those plots where the more people explain it to me the less i understand it so i mean i i I do wonder if he has some kind of incredibly complicated secret backstory that has yet to be unlocked that'll be the next spinoff game (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like we've we've gone this entire conversation and not really touched a whole lot of the story of kingdom hearts i don't know if you i don't know if you want to try to summarize it yeah i was afraid to ask (laughs) yeah you and you don't have to if you don't want to but like how would you explain it to your to your uh, 80 year old grandmother might be about the level of, of what we're looking for <laughs> oh that's terrible um so <laughs> shit <laughs> <laughs> okay maybe your maybe your uh your 50 year old cool uncle is a safer bet <laughs> okay so kingdom hearts overall is the story of the boy sora who sets off to seek other worlds he has basically this hunch that there's more to life than what is found on his tiny island home so he seeks out these other worlds by sailing on a raft with his friends riku and kairi to find these other worlds uh, i'm not sure how that works exactly because they're sailing away on a raft and these other worlds are like kind of in space sort of so i'm not sure how they were planning to end up there but in later games they actually kind of sail away on rafts and end up in other worlds anyway i don't understand it no one does and along the way they run into the ultimate evil and whatnot the heartless which are beings that come from the darkness within people's hearts uh later on they find out that oh well when someone loses their heart and becomes a heartless the empty husk of a body that's left over becomes a nobody uh what are nobodies they're nobodies uh there's this ultimate evil named uh ansem who at the time everyone thinks like oh well ansem he went off and was doing experiments on people's hearts and he messed up and now everything's evil and worlds are collapsing into darkness and also not even just people have hearts so do the worlds worlds have hearts because of course they do everything's alive and has a heart later on you find out that ansem is not actually ansem he is actually an apprentice of the actual ansem who is not a very bad guy uh the apprentice is xehanort who's actually a xehanort who is coming from way in the past from the prequel games and i'm not even sure how to actually begin (laughs) opening that can of worms I think it's actually been taken down at this point, but there was a really fun to read Google Doc that someone made that kind of like summarized all of the games up until three, which is like, you play as this guy. Who's this guy? Who's actually this guy? And uh, inside this guy is actually the heart of this guy, but not just them. It's also the heart of this person hiding within this person. Uh, Then there's this guy who's actually not really this guy. It's that guy who's not just that guy. He's this guy who actually took possession of this guy and then died and split into these two guys. Sometimes you Norda boy, right? <laughs> sometimes, you, sometimes you got a Norda boy. <laughs> like you bring 
up that document leads me to another question is that like I feel like most of our interaction with with the game and with this content is like through other media either like summarizing it or making fun of it or like like having some kind of streaming like, someone else playing yes it, yeah. someone else streaming so that you have commentary on it do you as someone who like is a fan of the game and has like played all of them do you interact with that content regularly as well oh absolutely one because it's, it's sometimes it's nice to look at other people's like perception and see how they actually like interpreted some of these things because like there's a lot of things still in the game that's like you know i don't i really have no idea what this part was about and this part doesn't explain anything to me and i'll stumble across someone else's video basically talking about this exact thing where they've picked apart every last like frame of this animation during this cutscene. this is what this means and it ties back to this and it might actually tie back even further to this thing and it's really interesting to kind of see how like the community will come together and just like for lack of a better way of putting it but kind of the perfect way of putting it blow shit well out of proportions <laughs> which i would not be surprised if you know the the creator of these games actually like watched a lot of these videos and like oh that's a good idea hold on i have a very straightforward question about a really complicated story because there's all of this kind of background with with sora and the the reasoning for why the world is the way that it is and then but also mickey is there so I, I, my curiosity is really like since since they're bringing in all of these other properties including some of the other final fantasy games do you have characters from outside of kingdom hearts that you were like most stoked to have involved in uh in this game or maybe not ones that you would have chosen but that the way they were integrated was your favorite i was really hoping leading into the third game there was a small handful of disney properties i was hoping would somehow end up in it i really wanted a uh like princess in the frog world because I love uh, Dr. Facilier and I feel he, him and his aesthetic would be perfect for like a boss that controls the Heartless. And then on top of that, I was really hoping for an Emperor's New Groove level. I'm not entirely sure what that would all entail, <laughs> but I would love to see it. I want to fight as Lamasora. <laughs> I guess kind of beyond that. It's really weird because like they built a lot of things around like these Final Fantasy properties. And then in the third game, they didn't actually utilize a lot of them. You interact with a lot of these like Final Fantasy characters and then they basically completely dropped in the third game. They had built up a lot of stuff going on between like Cloud and Sephiroth because there's always mm -hmm. stuff going on between Cloud and Sephiroth. Slight tangent really quick. It's really weird because in the first game, Sephiroth's actually voiced by Lance Bass from NSYNC mm -hmm. and then isn't voiced by him again. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't the only voice cast that changed, right? Weren't there some other, like Mandy Moore was in the, the first one? Yeah, and then they I think they recast her role as well. Yeah, it was just, just really strange. I'm not sure if it's a matter of, like, people just w didn't want to come back to it, or who wouldn't want to come back to this game? Lance Bass, <laughs> where you at? But yeah, they built up a lot of stuff around, like, Cloud and Sephiroth in, like, the first and second game, and they even in Birth by Sleep, they added in Zack from, you know, the Final Fantasy VII prequel, whose name escapes me at this moment. And then in the third game, nothing. Like, they, they alluded to something happening between the two of them. You beat the hell out of Sephiroth in the second game, Cloud comes in, and they fight for 30 seconds, and then a light flashes, and they're gone. And that's it. We don't know what the hell happened to them after that. They went on a date. They probably did. <laughs> you know, a romantic dinner night. Cloud went off to be in the Smash Brothers. That's just... <laughs> Maybe there's going to be uh, some other spinoff game that's just like the odd couple, but it's Cloud and Sephiroth. I would play that. I don't I know what the game mechanic that. would be, but I would definitely play that. I need to give Square Enix more money, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> kind of spinning off that question, though, like, how familiar were you with, like, all of the Disney properties and all of the Final Fantasy characters when you came into these games? Like, were there characters 
characters that you were like, who is this person? Or like your only recognition of them was from Kingdom Hearts. And then like afterwards you're like, oh shit, they're from Final Fantasy VIII or whatever. Like <laughs> I had a lot of that in, so I had never at that point, like I played Final Fantasy VII. So like that was all covered. I had never played eight, So it's just like, this is Squall. Who the fuck is this dude? <laughs> <laughs> Most people did not play eight, I think. <laughs> I, I don't know why they didn't go ahead and bring in characters from nine. I love me some monkey boy. So, <laughs> and then later on, let's see, in two, they brought in a handful of characters from like 10, which I was very well aware of 10. Actually, I guess I had t- characters from 10 in the first one. Yeah, I forget that Titus is the same Titus, but he's a little boy. And, and, and Waka. Waka. And yeah, the, actually, half the characters in the first game, in the beginning <laughs> of the first game, 10. are Final Fantasy X, but they're like, Waka's the only one who kind of comes close to really being like, still Waka. So yeah, ignore that whole first part about 10 not appearing until later on. Uh, you get a handful of characters from 10-2, which is actually the game that I played 10-2 a lot more than 10, because once again, 10-2 opened up with a musical number, and that hooked me. So apparently that's, <laughs> that's my bar, is that if I start the game and it starts with a musical number, I'm hooked. And then Kingdom Hearts 2 also had um, a handful of Final Fantasy characters from, like, I'm still not sure what Final Fantasy game they're from. The whole, like, Twilight Town, like, people who you fight in, like, the Rumble oh, matches. Oh, shit, yeah. I was gonna say, the, the guy with the really crazy hair, but, like, that narrow it down at all aren't a lot um, of them from nine because vivi's there yeah vivi is, is in it yeah i forgot vivi was in the game oh these games i need to backtrack and apparently replay two again. <laughs> you blocked it all out because three has shoved so much out of my brain at this point mm. <laughs> that's really interesting though that i mean like you're basically dealing with a bunch of games that have weirdly collected a lot of their pedigree from a ton of other properties like there are some obviously like sora and riku and kairi and like organization 13 like you have like a good handful of like final fantasy ass main characters but like you're basically plopping them into like and here's all this other stuff that we've made already like that has been (laughs) in existence already there's not a question tailing off of this i'm just like thinking about how like weird it is to be like it's so derivative i think i'm more marveling that this got made the more i think about it yeah the more i'm like wow they really licensed all this stuff huh (laughs) i'm still almost kind of surprised how much disney like gave them for the first game to use you think they would have been like a little more conservative especially like that elevator pitch must have been really good for them to be like here's a bunch of properties do it uh well for them to be like here's mickey mouse go yeah. for it yeah i definitely had some moments playing the first game where i was like did they show this to disney executives and you know in some room and they were like yeah yeah, seems good. Yeah, I like it. I mean, because it's so... It, the aesthetic of it, in spite of having these Western, very famous Western characters, it's so Squeenix. Like, it, it's it's very... Oh, yeah. It's a very specific thing. And it, it always surprised me. And I always wondered, like, how the board meetings went down where they talked about this, where they're like, okay, well, so Mickey's going to wear this hood. I always wondered how they had those kinds of conversations and, and how they managed to convince people that this was a good idea. Because it's basically like the world's wildest fan fiction. Yeah, that's basically the best way to explain this is that it's really just like someone was just a really big fan of like Disney and they were just looking for an excuse to use them somehow. And it really did just spiral into a really terribly written fan fiction. And it's very much like a B-movie style video game with like major budget video games tied into it. It's, It's such an outlandish thing. And I really feel like the only thing that Disney might have been conservative about in the very beginning was just like, can we use Mickey? Yes, but for like 10 seconds. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I really, 
I just want to bring this up for, like, posterity. <laughs> but, like, can we talk about the fact that Mickey just loses his shirt at one point? <laughs> yes, please, let's talk about this. <laughs> like, like, he just doesn't have his shirt on at one point. <laughs> like, they're like, no, Mickey's fully clothed. He's a king. He's got, like, this cool hood and stuff sometimes. And then, like, except for this one cutscene, doesn't have a shirt on. <laughs> like... <laughs> Why? I feel like a Disney executive specifically requested that. <laughs> you can use Mickey for this scene, but you must remove his shirt. I had an actual question tailing off of that. Oh, no, I remember it now. Tailing off of the shirtless Mickey? Not tailing <laughs> off of the shirtless Mickey. Tailing off of the other uh, other point, which was like, you mentioned how this video game kind of feels like a B-movie um, in a lot of ways. In in the, like, bad, not in, like, the, not in the Jerry Seinfeld B-movie way. In the... In the, like, uh, sci-fi uh, B-movie way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> God damn it. You can't go from shirtless Mickey to B-movie, Emily, in, like, the same sentence. I, I, I'm I just saying, I feel like we're a few years away from that crossover being able to happen. So. Yeah, that's certainly possible. But you, So you mentioned this kind of being, like, you know, a B-movie. Do you look for that type of element in, like, other video games you play? Or is this kind of stand on its own as, like, this is this weird, absurd thing that I'm kind of, like, attached to, despite the fact that I don't like a lot of it for, for one reason or another? Or, like, or is this, like, do you really enjoy finding those, like, absurd elements in the games you play? Or the other, like, media you consume. I never particularly seek a game for campiness. I feel like I just kind of stumble across it, and Kingdom Hearts is really the prime example. The only kind of example that I can think of of late that's, like, looks terribly campy and I can't wait, there's some weird, like, Resident Evil spinoff coming out soon where it's the gameplay's almost, like, Left 4 Dead-esque where you're playing as four, people are playing as four survivors and there's one person who's playing as, like, some evil person who's like overlooking these survivors and he they actually like control like I spawn in these zombies and you have to fight through these hordes and complete this thing. However, the game itself looks incredibly dull and especially with like how great the recent like Resident Evil 2 remake was. However, the villain that you're playing as has this outrageously obviously fake French accent. <laughs> And it is so incredibly campy, and that'll be the only reason why I play that game, specifically for the voice of this villain. I don't really see myself, like, seeking out any of these games. I stumble across them, and I, I guess I kind of see them as, like, a diamond in the rough, because I, I feel like the experience is not nearly as special specifically seeking this absurdity out as far as just, like, stumbling across it. I feel like that is a lot more kind of heartfelt to be like, wow, this is terrible, but I love it. Yeah, I have sort of a two-prong follow-up question. So we'll start We'll start with the first half, which is, is there a moment in any of the Kingdom Hearts games that's what you think is, is the pinnacle of what you enjoy in them being campy and bizarre? Like, can you can you pinpoint one scene or something, and it, regardless of it being a spoiler, that, that just really hits, hits your buttons in the right way on goofiness? Oh, well, I can't use goofiness when I'm talking about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> That's leading. There, the star's going out. <laughs> <laughs> all right well n like not holding back spoilers so i guess if you really well it doesn't really it's not really as much of a spoiler anyway so like basically the very end of the third game mickey just straight up tries to cast ultima on xehanort point blank just to <laughs> fucking mark him and it is so satisfying and just so surreal seeing this happen just mickey's little two-foot ass jumping up into the air <laughs> trying to cast this ultimate level spell point blank to kill somebody like not like oh i want to i want to subdue him no just straight up murder <laughs> 
it is amazing. And it is like the pinnacle of just like, wow, this entire series, as far as I'm concerned, was building up to this point. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not going to cast Ultima on somebody just to kind of teach them a lesson. That is not the spell you would go to. I would watch Mickey Mouse kill a man. <laughs> If you watch the Kingdom Hearts 3, you come very close to witnessing that. I was going to say, is this, this is the new Kingdom Hearts series slogan. <laughs> or that's what the, that's the, the pull quote on the back of the game. Man, now I feel thrown, thrown off with a follow-up to that question, which is uh, whether or not there was a serious moment as well that was something that maybe even in the context of absurdity really got you when you didn't expect it. So there is a moment in Kingdom Hearts 2, which I guess the, the overall feel of it is kind of weird, but I guess it was what kind of led up to it, where there's a bunch of Heartless attacking Hollow Bastion, and you just get done, I think, fighting Demix, the David Bowie of Organization 13. Except not nearly as cool. Though apparently in the third game, there's something else to him that is supposed to allude more into other games, but that's a whole other thing. Just to kind of summarize the whole thing, Goofy gets hit in the head by a massive fucking rock, and they play it off like he just fucking died. <laughs> and that destroyed me. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Like, I was, I was legitimately, like, on the verge of tears. It's like, they can't kill Goofy? Gosh, his star's going out. <laughs> and yeah, that, that, that killed me. And it's not even... Okay, I'm a very emotional person. And I get hooked into things very easily, especially when it gets later on uh, kind of connected to, like, nostalgia. And I am very, very tied to, oh, thinking of the past. And, oh, man, like, I, I wish I could relive this moment. When they first re-released Kingdom Hearts and I popped in the disc into my PS3 and started it up and Simple and Clean started playing, I was a mess. I was full-on just crying during the entire opening cinematic, during this dance party rave remix of Simple and Clean, and I'm just bawling, just trying to, like, reclaim. It's like, oh, man, it's been a long time since I've played this game, and it kept happening. Like, I would play through, I started Kingdom Hearts 1, the intro started playing, I was crying. I beat Kingdom Hearts 1, the outro started playing, I was crying. Anytime I hit these, like, major moments within these, like, these major milestones within these games that I could at all tie back to, like, any moment of my life, I'm just a horrendous mess. And I'm happy to say that it's not just tied to Kingdom Hearts, so thank God that's something that's not tied to this game specifically. Because <laughs> the same thing happened when they remade uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver. I popped it in, started it up, and I immediately started crying. Yep. That's a mood. <laughs> <laughs> this game messed me up, y'all. Don't make my mistake. You, you called it a mistake, but now I have to ask the, the seminal question, which is if you had to, like, recommend this game to somebody, like, if you were, like, I don't know, like, if you had to pitch someone on, like, you should play Kingdom Hearts, uh, and this is why, how would you do it? I'm going to be honest with y'all. At this point, I'm not sure if I would recommend Kingdom Hearts to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I love the series. I do. But for someone to, like, fully appreciate the absurdity of it all, you kind of have to experience all these games. And that's a long climb. So I would never be like, hey, you need to go out and buy all of these games and play them. I would never do that to somebody. I'm not that mean. Well, maybe a little bit. But if someone really wants to play it, I'll straight on tell them, like, I love this game series. I don't think I would ever claim to regret playing them. And as much as I complain about the absurdity of it, of how poorly it's written, how poorly the story has been managed, how long we've had to wait for all these games, I don't think I would change any of that. And if someone wants to go out and play these games and then 
they're actually just legitimately like, hey, Jesse, I'm going to sit down and start playing Kingdom Hearts. I am sitting there and waiting for them to message me or talk to me about it. Hey, how far did you get? What did you find out? Especially if they're going completely blind. Like, I'm excited for that. I guess it's almost kind of like a, a sense of schadenfreude. I want to see them get just <laughs> as frustrated with it as I had. And I live for that. But it's still like a bonding experience that I can have with somebody. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. Is that it's something that if they decide to put themselves through this against my better judgment. Or against their better judgment as well. It's something that I can still relate to somebody with. And it's something that I can I can really get behind and talk about. And I guess what it comes down to isn't that really... Life is just shared experiences. So that's just one more thing that I can share with somebody. Is Goofy's death. <laughs> Goofy's death. And shirtless Mickey. <laughs> shirtless Mickey. And Donald being some kind of god being. The secret to world peace. <laughs> the, the holy <laughs> trinity of, of weirdness in the Kingdom Hearts games. Wow, it's, I mean, it's hard to follow those, those kinds of thoughts a little bit. You know, your brain just starts thinking about that. I, we we sort of talked about what I think I, I might have asked before we started, which would be which characters you might have put in or what kind of levels you would have put in if you were in charge of a Kingdom Hearts game. So I think instead of asking that again, what I will ask is if you had the opportunity to do Kingdom Hearts, but it was not with the Final Fantasy games and Disney properties, what two properties would you mash up? Oh, man. What else am I equally obsessed with? Or what could just be equally as absurd? I think this can be anything. I don't think it has to be just like a video game, a video game series and some series of media things that, that might make sense. I mean, you, you can do serials if you want. I think I think anything recognizable that has any kind of backstory or, or canonical history. I would like to see a mix of the Quentin Tarantino universe of movies. And I guess this is still technically a Disney property, but I'm gonna throw it in there anyway. And the Muppets. <laughs> Jesse, you're a being of chaos, and I respect you <laughs> immensely. I would love to see a retelling of the movie Reservoir Dogs with the Muppets, but leave Steve Buscemi. <laughs> He's basically a Muppet anyway. I want I want this dream to come true for all of us, not just for you, for all of us in the world. Now that's all I'm going to be able to think about. We have to launch a Patreon so that we can get the licensing money to make this magic happen. That's, yes. Uh, <laughs> sign up now at www.fakeurl.org <laughs> Oh wait, we're charitable now? <laughs> uh, oh shoot. <laughs> we're doing the world a service. I feel like this question probably should have been asked well earlier to you guys. I guess going into this, what extent of these games have you guys played these games at all? So I, my first game was Chain of Memories. Like I watched someone play part of Kingdom Hearts 1 and then I bought Chain of Memories because I didn't have a PS2. I only had a Game Boy Advance um, and I never beat Chain of Memories. I got stuck on the last Dark Riku boss. I'm sorry, replica Dark Riku. And then he I comes just... back in three. Yeah, God, I'm so bad about all of that. Uh, but yeah, that's like my extent of like playing the games. Yeah, I, I played most of the first game. And then I had some friends who I was quite close with who then decided friendship ended with me. Our new friend is Kingdom Hearts. And I I was kind of put off of the game series, honestly, for quite a long time, like since since pretty much the first game came out, um, just because I don't know, it was like a sort of a weird, weirdly traumatic experience having friends sort of become more interested in this obscure story that you absolutely could not understand. And like how to source giant zippers than than kind of interacting <laughs> with you as a person. Um, 
And I, they, you know, I mean, it was one of those those things where, as as an adult, I might have felt differently about it. But we sort of lost touch, and and it kind of gave me strange feelings about Kingdom Hearts. But I have since uh, watched a friend of mine streaming play through uh, the first and most of the second game. So, and he's and he sort of set me on the path back to being able to to understand why people love them and why people enjoy them. Although he he also very much has a love-hate is maybe not quite completely accurate, but something along the lines of a love-hate relationship with the game series, um, which I have found to be weirdly therapeutic, that he's he's passionate about it, but he also thinks it's terrible and it drives him crazy. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I was what I was coming into it with. I wish I could say I'm surprised to hear that Kingdom Hearts was out there destroying friendships, but I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they they wanted me to be in their totally accurate group of all of the uh, Organization 13 characters with special ordered zippers from China and everyone had to use the exact same fabric and then they were going to go to Disney World as I recall like for Halloween and take pictures and then they decided that I did not quite meet the completely accurate physical requirements of being an Organization 13 member <laughs> um, and wow. that was sort of the end of it yeah I, I mean you know there were definitely they were coming into it with their own baggage and it got very tied up in my feelings of Kingdom Hearts and I do not I should not have generalized it to the game series as a whole and i do not anymore so i got there but uh but yeah there were some people who definitely definitely went into a, a deep place with kingdom hearts yeah i mean i i dove pretty head first into this but i'm you know actually i can't I, I didn't let it consume me that much i did have and i mean i suppose i still have it somewhere a homemade organization 13 cloak i have many posters many figures i have several keyblades surprising absolutely nobody because <laughs> i had to be i had to be that guy at the anime convention walking around with the keyblade that he just bought at the dealer's booth that was very important for quite for quite a long time i always felt good about that honestly because people look so happy with their keyblades <laughs> <laughs> it was almost kind of surreal because this year like uh like halloween usa or whatever like spirit halloween they had a bunch of kingdom hearts stuff at the store they had full-on keyblades and they were cool. They were made of like this really weird, like hard plastic though that had like really sharp edges and they were not very comfortable to hold. Otherwise, I probably would have bought all of them. But it, it's weird how you didn't see this a couple years ago, which as long as the game has been around, you didn't see stuff like that, especially not in Spirit Halloween. It's broken into like very, I, I guess, mainstream, really. Yeah, it really is like this. It's the staying power of Final Fantasy, Disney and convoluted bullshit. <laughs> it's the, uh, the zippers and belts that bind us. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on to share this with us. This was a delight. I, I appreciate being brought on here. I, I saw this less as, uh, you know, helping a friend and more just me venting my frustrations. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah. The frustrations and we'll take both. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. This has been a blast. Of course. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, like, where do you stream? Um, anything you want to plug? Uh, this is your space, so please feel free to use it. All right. Well, if you go to Google and just type in Sasquatch, you can find tons of pictures of me. <laughs> um, or uh, you could find me on uh, Dragon Shuffle on Twitch. I stream sometimes periodically, uh, including Kingdom Hearts 3. That should be up there for anyone to watch if they want to see me stare at a screen and 
be dumbfounded by the amount of stuff they're throwing at me. Uh, you can find me at Dragon Shuffle One on Twitter if you want to see me randomly post nonsense there sometimes. Uh, you can find me at Jesse Bowser on YouTube because apparently Dragon Shuffle didn't stick at the time. I don't even know why. On YouTube, I started off the first videos I ever posted on YouTube were actually uh, music videos with Kingdom Hearts cutscenes. Uses the footage. <laughs> you won't find those on there anymore. <laughs> right now, I'm just doing a playthrough of uh, a mod of Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver with a couple of friends, and we're just recording it and posting it up there because like well why not if someone stumbles across it and watches it and even gets a single chuckle out of their day hey whatever well that's very sweet i try it's the it's the the midwestern way (laughs) we're all born like this we'll all die like this Thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast. If you have questions or comments, you can hit us up there or at our email, guiltytreasurescast at gmail.com. And be sure to keep it simple and clean. Fuck. God damn it. I'm so mad at you. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you like the show, tell a friend. Or spread the good word of our new magic overlord, Donald Duck. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart be happy. God damn it. (laughs) I can't believe you did that. I'm so happy, but I'm so mad. (laughs) 